This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There's a place for you here. For information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. First readings from Isaiah chapter 11. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples, The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Holy wisdom, holy word. Second reading is from Romans chapter 15. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you, for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has come, has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God, in order that he might confirm that promises, the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As as it is written, therefore I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy wisdom, holy word. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel comes from Matthew, the third chapter. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. 
Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chief, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Please be seated. I learned uh, long ago in ministry that Christmas Eve is not the time to try a whole bunch of new things. Uh, people like what they know. Christmas seems to be a time when we get back to our roots. We reconnect with family, we eat traditional foods, we play out the family traditions, whether it's getting a, a Christmas tree or, or playing some particular stupid game that comes around every year or, or watching the same old movies. It's a time we just want things to be predictable. And certainly during Advent, the readings that come to us should be comforting. We've heard them before. We get this parade of images that come every year to us. Last year, I mean last week, we heard about the, uh, the swords being beaten into plowshares. Next week, we'll get the familiar um, sign of Emmanuel, a baby born to a virgin. And today we get this reading from the prophet Isaiah that's just chock full of familiar stuff that we know. First of all, we get the mention of the shoot coming forth from the stump of Jesse, an image that gets picked up as one of the O antiphons. It's a beautiful and poignant image of the shattered destitute nature of the Jews at that time and their hope for new life, their hope for a new branch that would come out and signal the beginning of a new future. And then in the middle we get those familiar words describing the spirit of God that will come to rest on this future leader 
the words that invoke a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and might, a spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, words that should sound familiar because they are the words that we speak over all those that we baptize, invoking that same spirit and maybe in a sense recognizing in each child that is baptized that somehow they too embody this Messiah that we are waiting for. And then finally we get perhaps the best known image, Isaiah's image of the peaceable kingdom. That pastoral scene with lions and bears and lambs and fatlings all co-mingling without violence, without conflict. And certainly it is an image that has um, inspired so many artists and has attracted the attention of so many theologians and biblical scholars reflecting on it. Perhaps none with more insight than Woody Allen who said that the leopard will lie down with the lamb, but the lamb won't get much sleep. And certainly, it does kind of invoke a certain anxiety. How did all those predators get in to the kingdom? Where did they come from? I mean, in spite of all their professions to be grass eaters, I'd still prefer that my lions be caged because I don't like the way they look at me. And yet there they are. Indeed, the kingdom seems to be full of them. For every fatling, for every calf, for every kid, for every lamb, there's a corresponding wolf, bear, leopard, Viper, snake, snakes for Pete's sake. That one seems particularly surprising since weren't they part of the original curse on humankind? That the snake was cursed to always be trying to bite us on the heel and we were cursed to always be trying to stomp on its head which has led to this dance of death down through the ages and we're still creeped out by snakes. And yet, who invited them in? Or to quote from John the Baptist, who warned them to flee from the wrath to come? That shoot coming from the stump of Jesse do you remember who Jesse is? Jesse was the father of the David who would become King David, the shepherd who became the ruler of the nation. And so in invoking that image of the stump of Jesse and a new shoot, they were expressing their hope that there would be a new king like David. There would be someone to lead them into 
not greatness in the sense of nations, but greatness in the sense of in a restored right relationship with God. David was a shepherd. And one of the interesting stories having to do with King David is that because of his actions in the Bathsheba affair, the nation is cursed to endure a plague. And this plague comes on Israel and it sweeps through with all these people dying and it's coming up to Jerusalem but right at the brim of this hill for mercy and compassion, God stops the plague. And where it ends is right at this threshing floor. This threshing floor on which eventually Solomon would build the temple. And that threshing floor would end up being right underneath the Holy of Holies. Their temple, their, their, their center of the sacrificial cult would be built over this threshing floor in which the wheat is separated from the chaff. Good from evil, useful from useless. And indeed, the temple seemed to be all about that act of purification, becoming what God wanted, not what God didn't want. Another story about David is that as a shepherd, when the Philistines were threatening the Israelites, David saw a connection between his role as shepherd and these Israelites because in the past he had gone out, as he says to King Saul, to kill bears and lions when they threatened the flock. And so David presents himself and says, this, this bestial Goliath who now is threatening Israel, I will go out and kill him just like I killed that lion and that bear. I will protect the sheep. And he goes and he does. It's what a good shepherd does. The good shepherd protects the sheep. The good shepherd keeps away those predators. So how did they get in? Who invited them into the kingdom of heaven? I kind of hoped that we would all get a good night's sleep once we got there, precisely because they wouldn't be there. But the one who invites them is the one who has a different idea on just what makes a good shepherd. David's idea of a good shepherd is the one who kills the lions and bears to protect the flock. But Jesus' idea of a good shepherd is the one who lays down his life for the sheep, who takes the place of the prey. Because the problem that we always run into is that it's not so easy to separate predator from prey. 
We are none of us purebred sheep. We've all got a strain of wolf or lion or leopard in us that causes us to prey on those around us. Sometimes in blatant and violent ways, sometimes in more subtle, sneaky ways. The little ways that we treat others as a resource to be used up or take advantage of someone else for our own benefit. All those little ways that we prey on each other. And so when we come to the baptismal font, we don't come as sheep or predator. We come as some crossbreed between the two. And we are the ones who, along with those scribes and Pharisees, approach John and hear the reproaching words, who warned you to flee? To which we can only reply, the good shepherd did. And here we are. Every time I heard those words from John, I would always cringe. Because in a gospel that we like to think is based on grace and love and forgiveness, here he is driving away these scribes and Pharisees saying, yes, but not for you. But I suppose it pays to keep reading because he finishes by saying, I baptize you with water. I baptize you with water for repentance. Just like we say to those who come to this font. And we baptize them in the name of our Lord Jesus, the good shepherd, the one who lays his life down. The one who comes and asks even predators to repent. But even when we don't, even when we keep on going with our predatory ways, he invites us again and again and again and finally lays his own life down so that the kingdom of God might be populated not just with sheep, but with all those who need to be there. The kingdom of God is not about want, it's about need. It's about what we need. We need this one to come, this one that we are waiting for. And whether we bleat or howl at the moon, we need what this one brings. Because he has shown that his purifying fire is gracious and that his winnowing fork apparently has very broadly spaced tines. Because it's just amazing who one discovers living in the kingdom of God. In this case, lions, leopards, bears, wolves, people who look just like us. Amen.